Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yes, indeed, it is the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Wee. Reginald Datatula here with you, as you can tell. I'm sitting alongside the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Thanks for rolling with us on a Wednesday evening in the Metroplex. You got Rodrigo Mendoza on the ones and twos. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, your Mavs going to be in action this evening. It's uh, in Minnesota versus the Timberwolves, number one in the West. Uh, this is going to be... Well, let me not speak bad things in existence, but I this it's going to be an uphill battle, I imagine, considering the circumstances that the Mavs are currently sitting with. Minnesota is uh, one of the best home teams in the NBA, let alone the best team in the West. Mavericks are injured, and they are on the road without their superstar. Yeah, you are literally missing the preferred starting lineup for Jason Kidd. That means Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, um, Derek Lively all out. Also, Derek Jones Jr. and and Dante Exum. The entire starting five that he wants. That's right. J-Kid wants. And by the way, for those who don't know why Lively is out, he got his nose broken Saturday night. Yes, he did. I mean, it looked bad, but it was broken. He played the rest of that game. He He continued to play. They won the game against Orlando. He played it with a damn broken nose. And guess what his reward was? He got invited to the All-Star Weekend as the Rising Stars Challenge. Yes, he will be involved in the Rising Stars Challenge as, you know, with rookies, obviously, amongst uh, a lot of other names, including Victor Wimbayama, Chet Holmgren. Those are some of the other guys in the rookie category. Mm-hmm. So that that should be fun here in a couple of weeks. But tonight, your Mavs uh, are going to have to go and really attack this with a starting lineup that is uh, – entirely made up of guys that you anticipated just kind of being in roles as opposed to having to start it. So best of luck to those guys. We'll keep you up to date with what's happening from the Target Center in Minnesota uh, right here on 105.3 The Fan. Um, Right now, though, and of course, I actually, before I move forward, in talking about the Mavs, we also will talk more Mavs with uh, the Mavs beat writer for The Athletic, Tim Cato, he's a friend oh, yeah, of ours. The great we'll, Tim Cato. We'll talk to him at 820. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's exciting as well. Always good, good to talk to him, maybe get an idea of some of the things that maybe this team could add or wants to add and just more more questions and more answers when it comes to these Dallas Mavericks. 820, uh, set your clocks by that. But right now, um, look, the Dallas Cowboys, it is the offseason. Senior Bowl is happening Jerry's got in his, Alabama. He's got his bus down there. And you know what? Jerry starts talking on that bus. Things can come out of his mouth. Jerry be talking, right? Like that is that is a truism that has happened or that has existed around these Dallas Mavericks for a long or Dallas uh, Cowboys, mind you, uh, for a while. Um, and one of the things that I saw that he said kind of struck me. 
because obviously the quarterback of this these Dallas Cowboys and quarterback in general is a position that's going to have a lot of talk. But this guy in particular, this position, Dak Prescott, a lot of conversation around this guy. And Jerry said something I wonder if people agree that it's true or believe uh, what he said. Uh, Jerry apparently, um, and I guess this was earlier today, said, quote, the big thing is we all know there is room for improvement. The thing that I would emphasize more than anything is that Dak has room for improvement and not just the scheme around him, but Dak can improve. That's a big plus when you've been playing the game seven years and you, by assessment, have some room to get better in. He did this year. I expect him to do it next year and the next year, um, close quote. So is he is Jerry Jones right that Dak Prescott has room for improvements? Yeah. He does. In fact, you saw it this past season with Mike McCarthy in his ear instead of Kellen Moore. Seriously, he can actually get better. Of course, nobody's going to believe it until they see it in the playoffs. He could. He was in the MVP conversation this past season going to the Buffalo game. Buffalo game ended all of that conversation, but he still played all right. But nobody's going to believe anything from Dak Prescott or any of the Dallas Cowboys until the playoffs. Even Stephen Jones addressed that. But back to Dak himself, yeah, he can't play better. It's not like, okay, he's playing the best he can and now he's going to fall off. No, I actually think he can get better. I'm not saying he's going to have suddenly have insane arm talent. It's not about the arm talent. It's about um, making, not making better throws, but making better decisions. And I'm only going by the Green Bay game. I mean, the rest of the season he made better. Put it like this. He stepped up after the 49ers game. He and C.D. Lamb talked to Mike McCarthy, and they all agreed this is what we needed to do. Well, I think he can play even better. I'm not even looking at that phrase on can he play better Mm -hmm. as much as I look at the end of the phrase. The end of the phrase, he said, Last year, this year, and the year after that. That just told you right there. Because I, you know, I, I call myself a Jerry Whisperer. I've been around that guy all of his career. Yeah, since absolutely. Since 89. He basically said, yeah, we're going to extend that contract. For those who are wondering, say, oh, he's he's not going to do anything because mm-hmm. he's not. No, he just said, he just said, gave you three years right there. One, two, three. And the year after that. That's like, okay, we're going to extend that contract. For yeah. those who are wondering, well, they're going to write it out. He doesn't like He's going to extend that contract. Yeah, I know that there was a lot of conversation and consternation around Jerry Jones kind of leaving some room there. But, I mean, they've also, him and Stephen Jones, made it abundantly clear that they, you know, that they really do appreciate and like Dak Prescott as the quarterback Mm -hmm. of this team. And they haven't wavered in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine the negotiations is ultimately where this thing comes down to. But, again, I think you're right in saying that they anticipate and they are going to get him signed up for more for more time. Like that, uh, that that Green Bay game doesn't change the Cowboys from what they're going to offer him, but it might harness Dak's agent on what he's going to ask for. Okay, but think about it. I mean, he's going to get the big money, but as far as what he could have asked for, oh, he's in the MVP conversation. After that Green Bay game, agent ain't going to be able to ask for all what he wants anymore. Um, but I I do want to go back though to. Can the, that get better? Yeah, mm-hmm. because I know your standpoint, just you think that he can. He got mm-hmm. better this season. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I agree with uh, Jerry Jones in this regard. Now, I don't think that this means he's going to like get worse, per mm-hmm. se. But I think that this season might have shown you in some ways a, max, a maxed out Dak offer? Prescott. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to take you back to a very particular point in what Jerry Jones said, right? He said, and it's not just the scheme around him, but Dak can improve, right? And then he goes further to say those things. I think that it is like any level of uh, production increase, I imagine, comes from scheme around him. Mm -hmm. 
I think that the actual play that you get from Dak Prescott, we saw the height of it. And the height of it was very good over the course of the season. Now, of course, then people are going to make the distinction of he hasn't played he hasn't played uh, to that same ability in the postseason. And is that something that's just is not going to translate? I don't necessarily view it that way. Like, but I mean, look, as of right now, what you've seen, you you are you are in your right mind to be able to like have that level of criticism. But I do think that you have seen like largely this cap down. The reason why that is, you talked about like arm talent. I think that is what it is at this point. And we've seen him be able to like stretch the field downfield, particularly attacking the middle of the field. But it's not going to get bigger than that, right? The running ability seems to kind of be coming back down to a certain place, injury. right? Since his ankle injury, mm-hmm. whether you talk about like his willingness to get out of the pocket. Sometimes we've seen him go to run and there's instances where I don't know about you. We've seen him running and I've been like, oh, he's going to get that corner. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't he's not able to make that corner just because, oh, OK, this is not we're not in the same realm that it used to be for Dak Prescott, which I mean, like he's 30 now, not saying that that's like, you know, wildly old in football years, particularly with quarterbacks. But. I don't, you're not going to gain more speed there unless you're Michael Vick, and that was a very particular circumstance, right? Like I don't know that you're going to add more to the legs, and so ultimately, what it's going, what it is for him, in my estimation, is it's going to be processing and those things. And he, you know, we've gotten to a point where he's seen a lot in the league. He's always been amongst the smartest, like football folks in the league. Been great at diagnosing, so long. diagnosing pre-snap. Like mm-hmm. that's always been something that he's been very good at. Um, and then the processing in the course of the of the game, we've seen him do that at a very high level. We've seen him have struggles with that and depending on what the system is. And so for me, like all those things being the case, it feels like in order for you to get better in, in production out of Dak Prescott, it's just going to be better scheme circumstances. Yeah, and that's why I was saying he can be better. I mean, Jerry's parsing words, but it's not going to be his arm talent. It's going to be about, okay, do you really have the complimentary football that – Mike McCarthy was talking about. In other words, do you get you a real feature back to go along with Michael, go along with Tony Pollard? Do you bring Tony Tony Pollard back? I think you do, but I think you draft a feature back. Somebody you can run into the ground like DeMarco Murray. Somebody that's big and get those dirty yards, and then you have Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard can start. It doesn't matter who starts. It's about situational football and complementary football. And if they start the season the way they played from – 49ers game after. You follow what I'm going? From mid-October on, you can see a better Dak Prescott. Also, if the defense can play better the second half of the season. Remember, in that Green Bay game, all of them melted down. I want Tolos to pay attention when I'm saying this. All of them melted down. Offense, defense, special teams, front office, everybody. Trainers, equipment managers, everybody melted down. But guess what? As much as Dak had his fingerprints all over that loss, Dan Quinn and his defense giving up six touchdowns and seven possessions, the first seven possessions, that had a lot to do with things as well. So put it like this. If you have Dak Prescott in not the perfect situation, but in a better situation in the playoffs, I would think he would do better. I'm not guaranteeing it because nobody can believe it until they see it. You have to see it first. Uh, it seems like Michael Parsons, in some ways, agrees with you. He was on his podcast on Bleacher Report. He finally came back to the podcast? Yes, he did. He's he been did. hiding and laying low? Yeah, it's the edge with Michael Parsons uh, with Bleacher Report. And he's, he, I mean, talked about a, a multitude of things. Also had DeAndre Swift on with him. He them. said he was embarrassed to make his put his face in public. He absolutely did. Uh, but I, I do want to play this cut. And this mm-hmm. is Michael Parsons talking about Dak Prescott. The game um, could have, would have, should have been an MVP, but he's not. And... To put that narrative 
you know, people want to drive whatever narrative that fits best for them, and that's what I'm realizing about this game of football, and that's what kind of drives away the happiness because people don't appreciate how good someone has been. Um, they want to attack them for where they're at or what they have done and things like that. Um, so I think that came a long way. Um, obviously, one of his better years since I've been with the Cowboys. So that narrative of we wanted a different quarterback or we want a different guy, I think he's been a great leader, uh, whatever, whatever, however y'all want to put that. So there you go. That's that's him talking about mm-hmm. Dak Prescott. And, I mean, what that at least what I hear there is like that's that's a belief in what Dak Prescott's capable of, but I mean, I don't, I don't think I. And one of the things that gives me a little bit of pause in Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones like thinking that there's more. And I guess this is the tough part: Are we just talking about production? Or are we talking about like talent and like ability? It cannot be talent, and he's get he's getting the most out of his talent. It's the, about the, the like you said, the schemes, right? Like complimentary football, having more talent there, having a better offensive line. But again, if you have a legit running game. Seriously, that the defense has to go into the box at least every now and then. With Zeke, it was almost every time he was out there. If you do that, Dak is smart enough to exploit it. So you can see an, uh, you can see more out of Dak. And so with Jerry saying you can see much better Dak, he's probably talking about some of those decisions, not arm talent. And, I mean, just to be able to, like, point to the ways in which, not just, like, the circumstances of the, the talent around you, but the circumstances of, a scheme can absolutely change the way you're perceived. Sure. Um, I've had a lot of that, you know, looking at Jared Goff, right? And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of folks that view Dak Prescott how I viewed Jared Goff previously when he was with the Rams. There's a lot of people who are coming around on Jared Goff and his abilities because he's And they in, were in the same draft, by the way. Yeah, that is true. Because he is in a system, and I mean, obviously we saw it with Sean McVay and the ways that he was elevated after Jeff, you know, after mm-hmm. the Jeff Frazier, or was that Jeff Frazier? Regardless, uh, the ways that Sean McVay elevated him, he goes to D- Detroit and you see the ways in which Ben Johnson has been able to. Ben's gotten the most out of him. And so the ways in which you have a coordinator being able to scheme up a game that plan that gives you mm-hmm. some advantages. So then that allows you to use your talent to to go and attack a team. I which think that is, that's a big which thing. is one of the reasons why he's, you know, he brought back Mike McCarthy. Well, and I'm serious. That's what he said. Right. And I hear you. But that's that is I'm one not of saying things. it's a solution. Right. 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 Wait, again. Everything we're saying, we can say this all the way through next January. Of course. But until they do it in the playoffs, nobody should believe anything we say or what the Cowboys say. And it's one of the things that gives me pause is that you went with Mike McCarthy because, and I've said it before on this program, a lot of the a lot of the base principles that he has are the principles that he's had for a long time. And there's some good in that because you like you have an understanding of the system, but one of the things that like I know, I know Nate Tice of the Athletic has talked about this is these are these are things that have been around since 07. So like principles. And so with that being the case, defensive coordinators know what the what the stock responses are for all of these mm-hmm. principles as well. Mm-hmm. And so unless you are out here, you know, running these things to absolute perfection or giving making it difficult to tell and to be able to diagnose what's happening. Defenses are going to have. I don't. You're not. I don't think you can get as big of an advantage as you're seeing some of these other systems get With in the what they're doing. And, and so, and, and let me say this: yeah. Jerry's making his decision as a 81 year old Jerry Jones, not the 42 year old guy that bought the team and fired Tom Landry, brought in Jimmy Johnson, and said Troy Aikman here the keys to the car. Seriously, if he were a lot younger, in other words, Jerry always says he ain't got time for a bad time. At the age of 81, he wants to try to get a Super Bowl ring before he retires or where it becomes emeritus, whatever it is. Yeah. point I'm trying to make is he might have been more aggressive and blow the whole damn thing up 
if he were 20 years younger? Well, ultimately, again, this is another thing that we're going to have to wait a lot of months. We're going to have to wait 11 or 12 months to be able to answer these questions. But ultimately, Jerry Jones believes that Dak has room for improvement. We will have to see. We'll have to wait and see. We'll find on out. That. That's we'll absolutely Nola. absolutely. It's the get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, <laughs> what advice would you have for sports broadcasters? As a couple of sports broadcasters had advice for Tom Brady joining uh, as he walks into his new role. 877-881-1053. This is truckwreck.com text line. We'll discuss it next on The Fan. So get right right here on 105.3. The fan, Reginald Datatula here with you alongside the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Thanks for rolling with us on a Wednesday in the Metroplex. Your Mavericks getting out to a decent start early, uh, about half, halfway through the first quarter. And they're only down one, 12 to 11 hey. is the score uh, in favor of the Timberwolves. But still, your Mavs, mind you, starting Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes, and Grant Williams. Sean um, Holmes is the big man. Yeah, My goodness. Yeah, they're keeping up with them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you this, got this is where you look at the bench and see who you got, who you might want to trade, who you want to keep, who might you give some minutes to in the playoffs if you go to the playoffs. I mean, those kind of things. You're you're evaluating the roster right now. Yeah, and right now, uh, again, very small sample sizes. We're talking about half of a quarter, but. Josh Green has been kind of the point man on this. Three for three from the field, six points. That's great because guess what? The last game he scored two points. Against Orlando, he had two points, and Grant Williams had three. He sure is riding the roller coaster, ain't he? Man, so inconsistent. Scares me to death. That seems to be the Josh Green experience thus far. We'll keep watching as this thing goes along. Very athletic, though. There you go. Uh, from t- Target Center in Minnesota. We got Tim, Tim Cato coming up a little later. Tim Cato, 8.20 p.m. We'll talk more mass. Maybe hour. we ask him if there's any level of stability in that man's game. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll ask him that and more at 8.20. But right now, you know, we, we're, we're one game left in the NFL season. That is the Super Bowl. That's going to be broadcast on CBS, if I remember correctly. Is that CBS? Yes. Okay. Romo I, was, and Nance. I started saying it. And I was like, wait, I don't remember exactly. But yes, the CBS, not Fox. Fox is done for this year, which means they are ready to move on to the new uh, number one crew, which will include Kevin Burkhart and no longer Greg Olson, Tom Brady, who agreed to a 10 year, $375 million deal. Um, and so he he gets to be the number one broadcaster. You don't pay someone that much money if you do not want them to operate in a big role. And so Tom Brady is going to step in, and you know it's going to be a tough place to be. It is because Greg Olson trying to be, turn out to be more than a placeholder. I yeah, he absolutely. Is actually, a very very good broadcaster, excellent analyst. He does a, a stellar job. I think audiences love what he brings to the table. Tom Brady could supersede that. He could be the next Romo. Uh, we don't know. Let's look at his money real quick. Is everybody, you know, counting people's money is a sport. I don't know. Yeah, which, look, the money. you know. There's so let's let's break down his money real quick. He's getting this $39.5 million a year. I'm talking about Tom Brady. And the number one reason why is because Fox wanted to use him in different roles. Not on camera, but we're talking about meeting with the corporate execs, uh, going to the different suites. You follow what I'm saying? Doing the different conventions doing all the little things they need to help bolster their product. You follow what I'm doing? He's he's like a not a pitch person, but he's definitely he's the greatest football player of all time 
and they want to have him available to help them close some deals. So his face on the broadcast is just one thing. Um, but that's gonna that's gonna be the forward facing thing, and for a lot of us, all that other stuff don't really matter. Oh, to, I know, but I'm just saying because yeah. people count people's sure. money, and they want to know where is this thirty nine million dollars? Why is it so much when everybody else is getting you know nineteen and twenty million or whatever? We know he's the goat, but he doesn't have a history of broadcasting. With that being said, so that's where it's going. That's part of it. So you'll know, okay, that's part of it. But the problem for him is he's gonna have to follow Greg Olson now. It's not like he's got to follow Boog. Yeah, I mean, or I know Witten. there's some folks that have called him, quote, you know, the best analyst on TV. Um, and there's other folks that have said, you know, he's so good at explaining football in a quick and concise way. And I tend to agree. We you got talking about our, Brady or are you talking about Wilson? Uh, uh, Olsen. Olsen, Greg Olson. I know mm-hmm. that there's some folks on the truckrate.com text line. I like him a lot. 877-881-1053 from the 940. They say Greg Olson is the worst. And from the 817, they say they disagree. Olson rambles. I don't agree with that assessment. I of it. totally But, disagree. of course, everybody has their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, that's where this gets interesting, but it feels like, especially when we start talking about like you know folks that have played football, it seems like or like I mean, and I mean in in a professional level, seems like uh, they will talk turn and be like, it seems like he's got you know has a good grasp on what's happening and able to you know ex- or explain it in a fairly fairly uh, intelligible way. It's one that's accessible to the audience, and that's how I've always felt with that. However, regardless, he is going to see his paycheck drop from $10 million to $3 million, Greg Olson, um, to you now. Go down to the number two team. Right. Uh, but all that aside, right? Well, let me say this as well, because we're, we're fleshing this out, because the question is advice. Yeah, and the question is what, what advice would you give but to let me, but let a, me say a broadcast this. I want to flesh it out because there's also a narrative that people assume because he's the greatest quarterback of all time, he can expound his knowledge. We know he does his homework. He, he does not cut corners. He's not doing it on natural ability alone. He would not have all those uh, seven Super Bowl rings if he weren't picking other guys' brains and doing a lot of film study. With that being said, can he translate it? Can he communicate? You cannot assume that because Magic Johnson won all those rings that he was going to be able to communicate. You cannot assume because Joe Montana won all those rings he'll be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. You cannot assume because Emmitt Smith was the all-time leading rusher and had three rings that he could communicate. So I'm going down the list of guys that were given the opportunity. And I'm bringing this up because Howard Cosell said back in the day, watch out for something, and Howard was right. He said, "Broadcasting, sports broadcasting is turning into jockocracy. In other words, you may go to college, study journalism, go to broadcast school or whatever, but you didn't play the sport. Mm-hmm. Anybody who retired and has a name will get a shot over you. And yeah. so here's Tom Brady moving ahead of all of them. I'm talking about everybody. And Greg Olson was assumed to just be a placeholder till Brady retired. Yeah, and I, I think in speaking to, you know, the Howard Cosell of this all, right, it, it seems like in the media landscape, there's, especially when we talk about sports, there's, you know, the jobs of the, like, hosts, those who kind of direct the flow of the conversation. There's kind of, like, uh, you know, commentators, the talking heads. And then there's, like, analysts, and when it comes to being an analyst, more often than not, you're getting a coach or a former player because, in theory, they're going to be able to impart some level of understanding of the game at an in-depth level. And, and so, the audience feels like there's credibility. Yes, that's also a, a big point as well. And so for me— if, if they can't communicate— Right, right, right. And I think that's, that, for me, that's that's my biggest point of that's it. That's the bar. And if, if, I, if I would ever give advice, which, I mean, I don't know who's asking me advice to give to somebody stepping into this role, however— I'd say 
focus on focus on imparting that level of that information. Um, now, the tough part is being good at imparting that information, but I will never be upset if you're giving me more information and more insight into how this thing works, because that's the part that I can't get inherently. That's the part that I have to dig and search for and I have to go to other people for. And it's nice if you're able to provide me that additional, hey, this is this is what's happening here. This is what from my my expertise Right. That's the word is expertise Mm -hmm. I can give you. And that's one of the things I usually get real mad about coaches about, especially when they put coaches in these roles, is that frequently when coaches were getting these roles, it felt like they were holding back. Maybe is they didn't want to, you know, give trade secrets about others. And it felt like or to me that they were trying to get back into it. So they didn't want to put everything out there. I'm like, you're here to help me out with this. So if you're not going to give me these things, it felt like it was not useful. Do you have any advice that you would give to uh, to like a Tom Brady or someone in these in these roles of analysts? Yeah, um, I actually did a CA Stories Confidential about this a mm-hmm. couple, couple years ago because back in the day, um, there was a broadcast school for NFL players wanting to get into broadcasting before they retired. And this was in the late 1990s. And my students, they asked me to be one of the broadcast coaches. Oh, yeah. Late 1990s. One of them, and my students were Leroy Glover and Jason Witten. Okay. I mean, excuse me, Jason... Jason Garrett. Okay. Jason gotcha. Garrett. And some of those other guys, I mean, there was there was at least 10 guys who were trying to become broadcasters. And back then, it was the end of the Cowboys era. Troy, Emmett, Michael, Dion, Nate Newton. Half the team had their own radio shows anyway. Mm-hmm. These guys wanted to get into television. So they were learning some X's and O's, and they were flying in different guys around the country who wanted to get into broadcasting, they paid the little money, and they talked to broadcasters about what they need to do. And part of it is you have to not only tell the X's and O's, but you have to have some personality. Sure. Michael Irvin has the most personality of anybody you can think of. Yep, he sure does. You know who else has got great personality? Marcus Spears. Yeah, absolutely. And then you also, in other words, you can know the stuff but you got to have something to go along with that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I brought up Joe Montana. A lot of people don't even remember. Joe Montana actually was doing some some commentating, and he was boring as hell. <laughs> so it can happen. I've heard Brady uh, do a lot of witty things. There were people who didn't even think Romo could do this broadcasting because he gave generic answers the last half of his career. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, on the TV broadcast, he had some personality. He sounded like you're having a beer with a guy. So I would say... And this is where I also would highly recommend and, and give major props to Brad Sham because Brad Sham worked with Troy Aikman. He worked with Tony Romo. He's worked with a lot of different guys to get them up to speed on being a television broadcaster. So I would say you definitely want to work with some people, and they always give them, like, test games to work with. You know, uh, uh, they will have them, like when, when uh, Romo was first starting out, he would do preseason games. But these were games that were not even televised. They would just videotape it and then go over the tapes with him, him and Nance, and he, or him and Brad Sham. And the next thing you know, he's up to speed. It didn't work out so well with, with uh, Witten. Like I was saying, it was a three-man booth. Brady doesn't have that issue. But you've got to also be aware of the landscape and got to understand that in this day and age of uh, short attention span, you got to get to the point quickly, and hopefully you bring something to the table whereas people can say, okay, I remember what he said. 
Yeah, you've hit on some of the things. And from the 972, they said, don't let them give you fake hair. That's You know what? Good advice. I don't think Tom Brady needs to worry about that. He's yeah. got a full head of hair. but Wouldn't hit it, gone hit it. <laughs> I understand. Um, Phil Simms and Nate Burleson both mm-hmm. work at CBS. Both have done various levels of this analyst, both in studio and on call. is awesome. And Phil Simms, his advice that would you know to Tom Brady would be, quote, under talk, if anything. Right. You never go wrong that way. Sometimes it's hard to do. A lot of guys on TV don't have that. And he went further to say once he gets a hang of it, um, it goes a hang of how it goes. It won't take long. It's not like football. It's a lot easier. He's got to talk about football. So that's pretty easy. That's Phil Simms's advice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let the, ba- let the pitch. This is television. Let the pitcher do the talk. Right, and I mean, I I, I never think of words. it quite that way, but I mean, that is fair, right? Like, don't don't do too much because there is a way of doing too much. Nate Burleson, however, gave this advice: "Quote, I'll just say, approach media the same way you approach football. He'll take over uh, just like he did on the field." So just Tom Brady is one of those guys that gives everything he has, whatever it is he's doing and or he's pursuing. So I know Tom Brady, when he steps into the booth, he's going to be perfectly fine. And so that's his his advice was just attack it with the same fervor mm-hmm. that you attacked football. One thing about him, he's got insight. And when Romo got on the broadcast, his insight was he was able to, sh- able to share his knowledge of what he thought the play was going to be mm-hmm. because he, he just got through playing the year before. And he's very good at that. Whereas some of the older um, former players, they said, we could have done the same thing, but we just didn't. But Romo made it his own. So maybe there's something that Tom Brady can do, not calling the plays before it happens, but maybe he can do something or offer some insight where, you know, you don't expect that out of Brady. It's like, wait a minute, he's got a little thing. There was a, uh, there was a, there was a writer who writes for broadcasting uh, a Broadca- website. Uh, okay, never mind. I don't know exactly what broadcasting website you're talking about. Bear Report. Okay. He said if he were Fox and he was making the call, he said, I would utilize – Brady in a way that nobody ever even realized. I would maximize his. The way he was talking was almost like a Manning cast, but he wasn't saying a Manning cast. He was saying, you know how you go to a, a referee if there's a disputed call and you got the guy Joe Testator, mm-hmm. not Joe Testator, um, one of these former refs like Dean Blandino, Dean Blandino, like and or, have him yeah. explain it. He said, I would have. He said, I would have Tom Brady set up in his own studio wherever he is in his palatial estate. And then he would comment on all of the broadcasts and not just be the number one broadcast team with with uh, with Kevin Burkhart. Kevin Burkhart. Mm-hmm. He said, I would utilize him as, OK, Tom Brady, what do you think? You've run these plays before. What do you think? Why was that play a bad player? And he'd be just on call. And he's he's the great expert because he's the goat on no matter what the game is being played for Fox. But it's not just on the number one game, and you're able to maximize him and do it in a different kind of way that's not even a cookie-cutter way. And like I said, cookie-cutter way, I was like, that's like a Manning cast. People like the Manning cast because it's not cookie-cutter. Yeah, and I, but I Outside also— of the box. I, I do think that that's interesting. I also wonder, though, if that's, if that's easier or more difficult, having to just you know parachute into a circumstance and then— not just analyst, because in those situations, like for a let's say uh, you know a rules analyst, right? Mm-hmm. They're analyzing a play, and they're just they, so if they just look at it once, they can analyze. Okay, what happened with this play? As opposed to if you're dropping in and having to analyze like 
the what not just like what happened in this play, the but like tempo for the whole quarter, the tempo and, this, and what yeah. the what the well, attacking you, style is. Yeah. If you're having to do that for multiple I've thought games, about that that's, too. That feels tough. It, it, and again, I I thought about that as well because everything you said is like I was thinking about that as I was reading it, and I was like, well, you know what? There are some people who watch the red zone, and they're able to keep up with all these different games mm-hmm. at once. And these are only the Fox games he has to keep up with. Sure. And of course, they would come to him not necessarily. It's like, have you been watching this game? They would just throw it at him out of the blue. Because, again, it's different broadcasts, and not all of them are the feature game like, uh, you know, the 49ers versus uh, the Rams. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see this because I do think, like like Nate Brothers was saying, like the, the level of effort that you put into it, I've thought about that when it comes to maybe not necessarily the analysts on broadcast, but particularly when we get these like TV shows and all mm-hmm. these things. And especially you saw this more frequently with ESPN when they were hiring a lot of folks and you would see mm-hmm. folks kind of come through for a little bit and then, you know, pass through or some folks would stick. And you could tell, you know, some guys came in and they were not necessarily they thought that they could just get in, get up there and talk. And there's some folks that came in. They were like, this is a second career now that I'm going to treat with the same level of, you know, vigor sure. or what have Diligence. you. Diligence is a great word uh, f- that I did my my first career. And I think that that shows up. So I, I, I trust Tom Brady to bring that level of effort. Um, at that point, it's just like I really and truly hope that the same the same level of intellect and knowledge that he clearly displayed in his career winning and all these things. I think that those things, I hope that they are translated onto the broadcast because for me, I know personally, when I when I could see what's happening, it's cool. When you can give me another layer of, hey, this is why this is happening, it always makes it that much more enjoyable for and me. And the X factor is, can he communicate that? Yeah. It's one thing you can work your ass off. Yep. It's another thing, can you communicate it? And do not judge Tom Brady or any other athlete by the coach speak they do after games because that's not going to give you an indication of what they can do. I think a lot of people learn that lesson by prejudging Tony Romo and then making a, the assumption that Jason Witten could do the same Romo thing because he played with him and they were both Cowboys. So you, you just got to let them do it and say, and I hope they don't do this aha, aha thing with Brady. Let him grow into his job. You follow what I'm saying? But, of course, he's going to have to hit the ground running because Greg Olson has, has set a bar that's, that's a nice bar. I'm well, not saying he's and, the best, but I think he's really, really good. Well, and this, I feel like that would have to, you have to put that at Fox's feet if you're saying, like, you know, I hope people don't do the aha moment with him. Well, you put him on the first broadcast. You put him on, like, the highest team. Mm-hmm. Typically, if you do not want that, you yeah. start him on a lower level and you build him up. Mm-hmm. Like, any anywhere else in sports and elsewhere, We if, you know, if there's a level of stakes, we start slow, you know, early on and let people build into it, right? Whether it's a job where you start entry level or whether it's refereeing where they referee mm-hmm. in high school and then go to college and then work their way up or what have you. You are dropping him in the in the majors of this division, and so you're opening him up to that criticism. I, I hope for his sake that he's well. able to live. I will say this as well. Don't be surprised if Greg Olson gets stolen away when his contract gets up. Absolutely. I mean, I would love for him. He's too good to be a second team. Yeah, I would love for him to have another opportunity. I know I saw someone else mentioning that idea. So uh, from the 2 and 4, they said, thing is, Olsen wasn't legendary at broadcasting. I don't, I don't think that he was legendary at all, but I mean. He was young. He just started. I also don't know that there's any broadcasters that I go, oh, man, that, like, it yeah. changes what the game is for me. Yeah. But I do enjoy Greg Olsen called games. Yeah. And again, even Troy Aitman wasn't legendary his first three years. You know what I'm saying? He and he and Joe Buck had to follow Pat Summerall and 
uh, John Madden. Yeah, and I th- think, I think about that. So that, that's, it, wasn't, it wasn't like Aikman. Oh, he's he's not Matt. He was two different guys. So he wasn't legendary either, but he's he's legendary now. And I think that name really is the one from the 830. Madden did it best because he was animated but still was a coach. I yep. think Harbaugh would be a great commentator. Possibly. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that have been in this profession that w- that would be pretty good, but ultimately – it's putting the 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 you know rubber to the road and making it happen. And Tom Brady has that chance starting mm-hmm. next NFL season. It's the get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we go around the NFL where there's a new there's an only one more head coaching job open as the Seahawks announced their head coaching hire. We'll discuss next on the Fan. You know what to do. Let's get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula with you alongside the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Thanks to Rodrigo Mendoza on the ones and twos. And thanks to you rolling with us. Um, Also, thanks to the Mavericks for, Mm -hmm. despite not having an entire starting lineup's worth of players, and I do mean starting lineups, no Kyrie, no Luka, no Derrick Jones Jr., no uh, Dante Exum, no Derrick Lively II, quite literally, a starting lineup's worth of players not playing. They hold a lead right now, 36 yeah. to 33 at the Toyota Center, or sorry, uh, at the Target Center, rather, um, in Minnesota. Um, this is fantastic. With I seven never, minutes left in the first half. There you go. Josh Green leads all scores with 11. And so, man, they're, they're getting a good effort out of all these guys right now. We'll keep you up to date with what's happening. And maybe, just maybe, your Mavericks can uh, get a win without their three – <laughs> Probably three best players? Yeah. I yeah, mean, the big three. We're talking about Luca, Kyrie, and Lively. Yeah. They're not there. They are not and there. And then you throw in Exum and, and uh, Derek Jones Jr. Shoot, that's your starting five. Yeah. That's, that's Jason Kidd's uh, perfect per- starting five that he could, if, if he could. Yeah, he's preferred when starting healthy. five. He's yeah. preferred starting five if they were healthy. And we'll talk go. to Tim Cato next hour. We will talk to Tim Cato in probably I don't know forty five minutes thereabouts. I'm, I know I'm not doing the math right then, honestly. No, about thirty minutes. About thirty minutes. We'll That'll talk work. to him right now. Though we go around the NFL here on the Get Right, and the big news of the day in the NFL: the Seahawks have a new head coach. His name is Mike McDonald. He was previously the Ravens' defensive coordinator. Um, and so now we go, the Seahawks go from having Pete Carroll. Who did you say it is? Mike McDonald. Did you just say he came from somewhere back in a long ago? Uh, one way or another, that is definitely a way that you could say that. Oh. But he, he now ends up being the youngest NFL head coach at 36. They, they moved there after having Pete Carroll, who was the oldest head yeah, coach 72. in the NFL. And so... I found this interesting though. It not inter- not uh, it wasn't like surprising in that uh, Mike McDonald was a very good coordinator and a highly sought after candidate. But when I mean I know that we got we get used to this in sports in general, particularly football, where if you had a defensive coach, the next head coach that you get is probably going to be um, maybe like offensively inclined. We mm-hmm. see that ping pong back and forth mm-hmm. sometimes. Pete Carroll, in theory, like defensively inclined coach. 
they go to Mike McDonald, who is a defensive coordinator here. I'm not shocked, and the reason why I'm not shocked is because they've they kicked Pete Carroll upstairs before the Cowboys played the Packers. It was like the week before. Yes. And all indications were they were going after Dan Quinn to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Dan Quinn is a defensive coach. Coach, he, he created the Legion of Boom there. And I think they waited this whole thing out to see what other pieces were in place or what, what other pieces were available. Yes. was because Dan Quinn, he didn't look good at all against Green Bay. And his coaching trees, he cannot beat anybody that has ties to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is in the division, 49ers. And I think the brass with the Seattle Seahawks was looking at, okay, we still want the defensive-minded person, but it's not necessarily going to be Dan Quinn. We'll wait on Baltimore. Yeah, it seems like they were really fascinated with the idea of hiring Mike McDonald, clearly mm-hmm. waiting on him. I think Adam Schefter was reporting that they would have been willing to wait on him. Past the Super Bowl. Past the Super Bowl just to make yeah. sure and see that the They would have waited for him to come outside of Disney World. That's right. That's right. Um, I do think that, yeah, man, it's... It's interesting as well because I think you're right. Like it did seem very clearly the defense is something that they wanted to maintain, and it seems like Pat, uh, Pete Carroll was kind of moved away from his job to put it as nicely as possible. Um, in part because it felt like the defense had gotten like stale, I guess in a way, and they wanted somebody who would revitalize that. Who better than a 36 year old, uh, you know, clearly at the top yeah. of the defensive world in the NFL uh, coordinator, and so he has an opportunity now. To go in and he said, quote, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to work our tails off and it's going to be an incredible ride. We're going to be here for a long time and we're going to win a lot of football games. And that idea that they're going to be up there for a long time is substantiated by the fact that I believe they gave him a six-year contract. I would not doubt if, if Pete Carroll stayed there a long time, why wouldn't they let him stay there a long time? I mean, it's no different than what they do in Pittsburgh. I mean, why, if you look at the history of the organization, you say, okay, they don't, they don't have much turnover in the head coaching department, now, unlike Carolina. And as far as his youth is concerned, in that, in that exact same division, Sean McVay, when mm-hmm. he went to the Rams, I think he was 36 years old and or, or younger than that. All I know is I don't even know if McVay is 41 yet or 40. He might be 39. I think he might have dipped into the 40s, but even then, still, mm-hmm. like a very young, young coach. Uh, it seems like NFL teams are no longer you know, afraid of going young. Especially in this instance where if you if you bring a schematic advantage, if you there bring you that go. level of feeling, mm-hmm. they're willing to go with that. And it seems like they've gotten that in Mike McDonald, rather, Mike McDaniel coaches uh, the Dolphins. There's a lot of uh, mix, like MCs in the league. There's I a good amount of mics. I just the Doobie Brothers. There you go. Look. And by the way, Michael McDonald is back with the Doobie Brothers on a tour this is year. Is he really? Yes. He's, they've, re, they've reunited for a summer tour. I just saw that. I was like, okay, he's back. Right. And they had a picture of him with his beard, so his beard was back. He looks better with the beard. Let me just let me just go ahead and get he through this. He came from somewhere back in the long Yeah, let me, let me try and get through this uh, around the minute NFL so I can go check out what's happening with the Doobie minute. Brothers. You know, like that's. I'll keep holding on. <laughs> I'll keep holding on. Oh, wait a minute. Two more voices. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting how the Seahawks took minute by minute to make a choice. Not Dan Quinn. What a fool believes. I'm just reading what the 214 text is. That you are. That you're looking at 214. I see what you did. And by the way, they said Sean McVay, 214. Another 214 says Sean McVay is only 38 years old. Oh, goodness. Look at that. That is wild. It's wild to think that. All right, elsewhere around the NFL, as none of my stuff wants to work the way it's supposed to. It's okay. okay. Don't you hate that? Um, Oh, where am I? There we go. Um, Have you realized, did you realize this? I found this to be very interesting, actually. 
Um, Taking it to the street. When you <laughs> when you look at uh you know the big time college football uh-huh. programs that produce NFL players, who do you th- what programs do you think of? Oh, Alabama. Yeah, I'm not gonna say USC. Oklahoma cranks out the quarterbacks. Um, well, Texas, I mean, yeah, Texas comes up. Yeah. Alabama is that first yeah, one. Alabama's first one, and Georgia now. Did you realize and that, LSU? Did you realize that an Alabama draft pick has never scored in a Super Bowl? That's crazy. I I found this out earlier as I that was is uh, crazy. delving into uh, the numbers of the NFL with uh, Associated Press. Brought I'm just this trying up. to think of the wide receivers the last five years. It's incredible, right? Wow. Now, this, this streak honestly almost ended, uh, I want to say last year. Was that right? Um, when when Devontae Smith uh, caught a, a year ago, when Devontae Smith, he caught a pass, 45-yarder. But it was ruled he was ruled out at the two yard line, so he didn't end up breaking it. But yeah, mm. man, uh, this streak wow. for the program with the record twelve AP press titles, most NFL players sixty eight this season, and still the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, having you know there have been a well, p- players yeah. from one hundred and forty three different colleges have scored a point in the Super Bowl, um, and so you, you're in this place where Alabama, well, and of course, this does not count quarterbacks That's where I was throwing. getting ready to go, because right. Joe, Joe Namath threw a touchdown pass, and he's an Alabama quarterback. Yeah, and the NFL, it counts and uh, I'm sure scoring Jaylen points. I'm sure Brunson had one last year some kind of way, because yeah. he didn't run it in. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, Jalen Hurts some kind of way. He, he threw That's three hurts. touchdowns. It hurts. Yeah, he threw two, three touchdowns in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but there you go. That's I found that to be fascinating that an Alabama player has not scored a point. That is that blew my mind. And it's not going to change this year because ain't none of, ain't nobody there. There you go. By the way, real quick, eight one seven. He's still on this. Uh, Mike McDonald. He said, "What did uh, Mike McDonald say when Seattle called? Seattle, y'all gonna be there." Ah. Everybody, apparently everybody on the text line love to do struck brothers. a nerve, man. You that know what? I ain't mad at you. It's the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next on the Get Right. Um, let me see if I even remember what's coming up next on the Get Right. Because, again, none of the technology wants to work the way that you want to. But, however, how about this? One game situation. Not, not like all time considered, but one game situation. Is Patrick Mahomes the right pick all time? All time. We'll discuss it next mm. on The Fan. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 